Good morning, friends. How are you? Good to see you all. My name is Matt, and I serve as one of the pastors here. And so, so good to see all of you here this morning. And uh, again, happy Father's Day to all of the dads who are in the house this morning. Uh, so, so good to have you. Well, this morning, you are joining us for part two of a series that we launched last week called Summer Lovin' Taking the Church Outdoors, Summer Love and Taking the Church Outdoors. And in this series, uh, what we're wanting to do is just kind of lean into this time of summer, just lean into this season of summer. And just the reality of that, you know, summer, it is, it's just a different time. You know, all throughout the year, throughout the fall, the winter, the, the spring, you know, there's school going on. And so there's a certain rhythm and cadence and chaos that comes with that and getting kids out the door in the morning and packing lunches. And if you are uh, working, you've got a number of different seasons and projects and maybe it's like a budget season or it's it's finishing up the year kind of stuff or it's new projections new goals uh, if you're a student there's a, a certain number of, of projects things that come on your syllabus that you've got to accomplish and so there's just kind of this go 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 there's sports there's clubs there's activities there's all kinds of of things. And then we hit the summer, and the summer kind of has a little bit of like a, ah, like we made it. Uh, we have a little bit of time to recalibrate. Uh, for many of us, we take off, have some vacation. Maybe there's a summer camp. Um, you know, maybe it's just, just a different rhythm of the day to day. There's a little bit more time at home. There's a little bit uh, more time to stay up later and enjoy company or uh, to sleep in a little bit, those sort of things. And yet, through the summer, with the in and out nature and kind of the back and forth reality of the summer, we still as a church want to be intentional with this season. We, we still want to take this season and say, hey, um, as we go into the summer that can have a little bit of a different sort of rhythm to it and kind of be, you know, here and there, we still want to lean in uh, with a certain focus and emphasis. And, and so our desire with, with summer love and taking the church outdoors is just this idea that as we go, as we go throughout our summer, as we go through the different places that we're going to be connecting with people, we're going to be showing up at picnics and cookouts, and we're going to be having people over. Some of us are going to go to a family reunion. We're going to go on vacation with people. Um, we're going to be interacting all over the place. As we do that, our thought is, what if we leaned in on what it looked like to take the church outdoors with us? Take the church outdoors. And I'm not saying that, that we here in this room, that we get up and we all, all go outside, go outdoors, because it's way too humid for that, and nobody wants to do that. And uh, no, what I'm talking about is that we, apart from this service, as we leave this place, that we would be the church, that we would take the church with us, that we would be the body of Christ in the ways in which we show up this summer. And when we show up, that we would be carrying this certain emphasis and this focus of love. And so we picked this uh, famous passage, and if you have your Bibles, you can open them to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's in uh, the New Testament. If you don't have your Bibles, no worries. We'll have the, the scripture on the screens uh, for you. And uh, if you don't own a Bible, as always, we'd love to get one in your hands. So you can ask the folks in the connection corner, and they would love to hand you one. You can get one on the way out, and that's, that's yours uh, to keep. But we've picked this famous passage in 1 Corinthians 13, this famous love passage to study and to memorize and to journey through this summer, this summer love and taking the church outdoors. So let's, uh, let's, let's read it here. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. 
It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And this is such a beautiful, beautiful passage. It's, it's just so stirring and moving and so well-crafted. And, and so we see this passage showing up all over the place in our lives. As we talked about last week, it's something you hear in weddings or it's something that's hanging on a lot of our walls and our homes. And it's, 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 a, it's a familiar passage because it's a powerful one. But we aren't diving into this just because it's a famous passage or because it's memorable. We're looking through this, and our desire is to, to memorize this, commit this thing to memory, uh, these ideas and these definitions of love, because love for us as Christ followers, if you're here and you, you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, and you're saying, my life is, is pointed towards him and following him, if you're here as a Christ follower, love is a command. And in fact, it's the greatest command. Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 22. The religious leaders are kind of surrounding him and, and they're trying to trap him a little bit in some of his teaching and his doctrine and his theology, see if they can trip him up and get him in some trouble. And so they approach him and they say, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And in that time for the Jewish culture, there were over 600 of these commandments. And they were all seen as sacred, as things given from God and in parts of their, their culture. And so they're, they're trying to get him to say something where they can be like, oh, there's no way you can say that. That's not the greatest commandment. What about this? And what about this? And kind of get him into a bit of a debate. And in verse 37, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the people that were listening would have been like, oh, that's, that's a good answer. I mean, good job, because that is part of some of the ancient texts that is in the Mosaic law, this idea of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That, that's actually in Scripture. You can find that in Deuteronomy. And so, yeah, that, that makes sense. Good, good answer, Jesus. But then he doesn't stop. He doesn't pause. In verse 38, this is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbors as yourself. And this is, as we've talked about before, this is kind of the record-scratching moment in the story. That this is where Jesus begins to flip the script. That this, this is where we, we start to see some of what he's bringing to the table as the Savior, as the Son of God. Because yes, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, yes, that, that was something that was cherished. Loving your neighbor and the language he's using here is essentially just to love others. It's not talking about your next door neighbor, your across the street neighbor. He's talking about others as in anyone other than yourself. Love God, love others. And then he says in verse 40, all the law, all the prophets, they hang on these two commandments. And even though in this verse, the way we read it, it distinguishes them as two, in Jesus' language, what he is actually saying and what he is actually doing is he is combining them into one. And he's saying, you can't have one without the other. These are equal. They are on the same playing field. You can't love God and not love others. Can't do it. They're the same. Everything hangs on this ability. So the greatest commandment is to love. Jesus makes it very easy for us and defines the target of our love. God and others. So we know that we are supposed to love. We know who we are supposed to love. So, so in this series, what we want to talk about is how to love. 
what, what it looks like. And this is so important. And, and Paul stresses this at the beginning of chapter 13 in verses 1 through 3. Where, where he talks about, hey, listen, you, you can have all the gifts. You, you can be walking in the spirit. You can have faith that moves mountains. You can be giving away all your possessions to the poor. You can be giving yourself to persecution. But listen, if you don't have love, if you don't have love, if you don't have love, you're like a clanging gong. You're like a resounding cymbal. You're just a mess and you're making a bunch of noise. Which, by the way, I'm just going to pause really quick and say I'm a little surprised. I was kind of expecting a couple of calls this week, um, some bands that saw me playing drums last week and thought, he's what we need. Like, there he is. It's the missing piece. But that call never came. Not even like a fill-in, like a wedding, a bar mitzvah, nothing. So whatever, that's fine. That's fine. I'm still available. Just, you know, let me know. Um, No, we looked last week at verse 4, and we talked about love is patient, love is kind. This week, what we want to do is we want to jump into the second part of verse four. Speaking about love, love, it does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Love, it does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. And, you know, it's it really, it's kind of awkward um, to, to be given this text and, and to realize like, okay, so here we are, Christians in America, 2017, um, like, what does this have to do with us, right? I mean, like, the first century Christians, they must have been so petty and, like, divisive and just about, you know, themselves and, and weird things. And so I just really struggled. Like, how, how do we relate with this? So, um, I, you know, I'm not really sure exactly what all to talk about, but so since we have some extra time, um, I thought what I would do is just, just share some of my Father's Day gifts uh, with you from my kids um, you know, that I got this morning, which is just so cool. So I, thanks for playing along here with our, our extra time. So I got this awesome sweet shirt. World's greatest dad. I mean, it's incredible. It's so, it's so nice. I, guys, I'm sorry. Um, for those of you that, you know, you can't claim this because I have it and, you know, my kids told me, so clearly they're right. World's greatest dad. I mean, that's, that's really awesome. And then, um, you know, this coffee mug, number one dad. And I mean, every morning as I sip on my coffee, I can realize I'm the number one dad. And so um, ah, it's kind of embarrassing to just kind of, you know, sit here with this reality. So, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe for some of us, we could talk about how you're envying me as the world's greatest dad and number one dad. And maybe we should spend, no, this is ridiculous. This is so stupid. And, um, I just, I'm just, I'm just kidding. In fact, the truth is I actually went out and bought these. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's so true. Um, and uh, I secretly kind of wished that when I uh, went to the register with the mug that the lady was going to be like, um, you know, so are you buying this for your dad? And I wanted to be like, nope, buying it for me. You know, like, he needs to read 1 Corinthians 13. <laughs> Love does not boast. Oh, man, it's so ridiculous. No, this, this passage is, is something that obviously applies to us. It applies to our culture. And it's always just so fascinating to think about as believers over the centuries how these truths are just timeless. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. We're going to start off talking about envy. And envy is the desire to have a quality, possession, or other desirable attribute belonging to someone else. 
So quite simply, this idea of you're scanning the room and you're looking across and you see someone who has something, maybe it's a, a character, it's a skill, it's a possession, whatever it is, you're looking across, you're going, oh, I wish that was me. I wish I had that. I wish I had that thing. I wish I had that relationship. I wish I had that skill. My life would be complete if I could have so as we talk about envy, um, what I want to do is I want to invite our, our band back out. They're going to help. Uh, they're going to help me illustrate this. So if you can't give 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 these guys a big hand, really appreciate them. So so good. We've got Leslie, Jordan, Eric, and Will with us, and um, as you just heard, I mean, just incredibly incredibly talented people. And so to uh, illustrate envy for us, what I've asked them to do is to. Uh, just start off by playing a song for us. And what I would like for you to do is maybe just sort of, you know, project yourself, uh, you know, up here into to maybe one of the roles that they're playing, and, and then, then we'll, we'll kind of dissect, dissect it here in a minute. So, guys, whenever you're ready, go for it. Awesome. Okay. So now what I'd like for you to do, because I noticed you guys were kind of like trading some glares, kind of feel like maybe you were looking across the band like, gosh, I wish I was playing the accordion or the mandolin. So what I'd like for you to do is switch instruments, you know, the one that you wish you have always wanted to play and, uh, and then play the song again for us. I think that would be, that would be awesome. Come on. You guys are super talented. I know this is going to be great. You want me to join you? Calvel? Oh, man. Oh, I got a fever. I need more Calvel. That's amazing. Okay, all right. All right, this is awesome. All right. Um, well, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to resist the urge to lead this. Um, I'm going to let you guys just crank it up, and then I'll, I'll, I'll join in when it feels appropriate. guys so much. Oh, man. That was horrendous. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, they're such good sports. They, I asked them to do this. They're like, okay, thank you. But no, it's such good sports about that. But listen, okay, pretty simple. The band is playing. They come up, they play their instruments, and they make just incredible beautiful music. The first time, it was absolutely great. But the second time, 
it's a little bit of a train wreck, right? I mean, they just weren't really pulling it off. See, the first time the band, they were playing in their traditional roles. They were using their gifts, their strengths, the things that they know and have been given to them. And together doing that, they made incredible music. And the second time they switched and they played a role that they've always wanted to play, maybe a role they've been jealous of, maybe something they've always looked across and thought, gosh, I wish I could do that. And it didn't sound so great. It was kind of hard to listen to. It was, it was a little hard to watch. And see, when we envy, it means we are looking at someone else's life, someone else's role, their gifts, their talents, their position, their influence, whatever the case may be, and we're looking on it and wishing that we had whatever that desirable attribute is. We wish we had that. There's a feeling if we could just have that, if we could just be like them, then life would be amazing. Then I would be fulfilled. Then I would be content and happy with my story. And we become like the band when they left their position, their role, and try to play someone else's role. And we lean in in that way, and our lives aren't making beautiful music anymore. It becomes out of tune. It's out of rhythm, and it's just unpleasant to watch and to listen to. But when we play our roles... When we do the things that we were created to do, when we, when we live out the things God's given us to do, and we're walking in love, our lives have the opportunity to just make incredibly compelling and beautiful music. Proverbs 14.30 says, A heart gives peace to the body, but envy rots the bones. And, and envy is, is this dangerous thing. It is this thing that can absolutely take us out and, and hamper us and cause us to, to not be growing in a healthy way, but to almost become crippled, to, to have our, our bones, our, our heart, our spirit just kind of rotting. But, but a heart that, that it has peace and is content well, well there's, there's peace and life that's given to the body. So, how, how do we find peace? that peace? How do we lean into life in that way? Because life can be hard, right? Life can be cruel, seemingly cruel, and often unfair. And it's so easy to look around the room and just be like, how is it that that guy has everything? How is it that that girl has everything? Why can't my life just be a little bit more like them? And we can go that way and let envy just destroy us, or we can lean into a couple of things that I think can just absolutely be a game changer. These are really simple things. The first is perspective. Perspective. Seek God. Ask God for a bigger, more holistic perspective. And you know this. The reality is, as you're looking across the room and as you are finding yourself envious of someone else because of some trait, some attribute, some desirable thing, you're missing the rest of their story. You're missing the, the reality of what may be going on in their life. To where it's like, man, this, this looks amazing, but the rest of their life may, may be in a lot of turmoil, in a lot of pain. And if you were able to dig and to lean into people's lives and their stories, you're going to find some of the same pain, frustrations, insecurities, things that you feel. And realize that not everyone's just insta-awesome. Like we post these things on, on social media and it has this perfect veneer to it. But, but we know that there's so much more behind the scenes. So, so pray for perspective. The second thing, and this is, this is huge, 
celebrate. Celebrate. Celebrate the people around you. Celebrate the people that you may find yourself tempted to be envious of. Love does not envy. And the way to kill envy at its root system is just to be crazy about celebrating and rooting for the people around you. It's so incredibly good to do this. All right, let's get real. Uh, I have a little secret uh, for you. And um, in case you don't know, this is, this is crazy. All right, get ready. You may want to write this down. Kondo is a better teacher than me. Kondo is a better teacher than me. Thank you that no one said amen. I really appreciate that. <laughs> so kind of you. And man, I know some of you want to rush, you know, to my side and like soothe me and be like, no, 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 you do such a good job. I'm like, whoa, whoa, hold on, people. I didn't say I was a bad teacher. I just said condo was better. I know I do a good job, all right? And we haven't started talking about boasting yet, so let me just hang on to that for just a moment. Chill out, all right? No, listen, I know that condo is better. He is. I, I, can, I can say this, too, because he's not here today, and we'll edit this out of the video, and we'll keep this between us, and he'll never know about this so that he doesn't suffer with pride. So... But the truth is, Kondo's a better teacher because teaching is one of his primary spiritual gifts. And when he preaches, man, this guy is one of the most talented, inspiring guys that I know. And no joke, I mean, there, there's a reason he teaches 35 to 40 Sundays a year, and I teach 10 to 15. One time somebody said, it's kind of like you're like the, the, the backup or, or the substitute teacher. And I said, you know, I'd really rather be referred to as the secret weapon. And um, <laughs> if we could use the phrase, like, it's time to unleash the secret weapon, you know, and it's my turn, it would be really encouraging. But listen, when I'm not walking in love, I, I could easily start looking over at my brother and start getting a little envious, I could find myself sideways around the fact that whenever we post a video with Kondo in it, I mean, it gets shared 49 times and circles the globe like multiple times in a couple of hours. That, that, could, that could get to a place where that could, that could eat at me and, and, and bother me. Or, or I can choose to celebrate him and the gift that God has given him. I can thank and I can praise God that he has given us in our community such a gift of such an incredible teacher. I can reach out to him, and I don't, I don't do this perfectly, but I, I try to do it as often as I, I can to reach out to him or to get eye to eye with him after he preaches and just say, Kondo, oh my goodness, unbelievable job. That was so good. That thing you said about this, the way that you described that, the illustration you gave there, just brilliant. And when I do that, it just chokes the air right out of envy. It just takes the power out of it. And it's a two-way street. We celebrate each other. And when we do that, it not only stifles the envy, it allows us to be growing in our relationship and to strengthen the gifts that God has given us and to claim the weaknesses that we have and the ways in which that we can make each other strong. And Kondo's been one of the greatest encouragers and cheerleaders of me. And every time I get up here, there has been work behind the scenes where he has helped me to work and to improve in my communication. And he's cheering me on as I go. 
And it's just unbelievable what happens when we're in that posture of celebrating each other. Listen, at the end of the day, envy tells me that you have something. You have something I feel would make me happier and more impressive. So I want what you have. And when I want what you have, it makes it incredibly hard for me to love you for who you are. Love does not envy. Speaking of being more impressive, back to the verse four. Love, it does not boast. It is not proud. Love does not boast. It is not proud. Boast is just the idea to talk with excessive pride and self-satisfaction about one's achievements, possessions, or abilities. It's just this constant sort of focus and communication and talking about all the things that we've achieved and the things that are kind of a big deal and make us a big deal. And then uh, proud or, or having pride, the, the feeling deep pleasure or satisfaction as a result of one's own achievements, qualities, or possessions. Now, these two ideas, they're, they're like twin brothers. They're very, very similar. They look a lot alike, and yet there's a couple of distinguishing factors, and we want to take some time to try and work through those. At their core, they both carry the idea of making something appear bigger than it actually is. Two phrases to help us process this, to, to put on or to puff up. Put on or to puff up. Boasting is the idea of putting on a show of sorts, making myself sound like something more than I really am. When we exaggerate our stories uh, or we embellish our accomplishments, I'm putting on a show to make myself sound like something more than I really am. Now, early on in, in my uh, career life, um, I, I did a lot of freelance sports uh, broadcasting, and I've shared some of this before. And um, there's this just awesome fly hanging out, and I so appreciate him, love his patient. Um, so I got started in uh, connecting with a crew uh, from CNN, and, and basically just started to just kind of bother them, like, hey, I, I want to do this. Can I help? What can I do? What can I do? And so I got to go and just be a part of uh, a number of shoots where I would just carry the tripod and uh, set up the cables and lights and those sort of things, change batteries, whatever. And, um, you know, as it went on, uh, as I met more people, I got more opportunities, and I was starting to get work a bunch of different places, different sporting events. And uh, slowly I started to work uh, my way up and I, I started to get jobs running the camera. And uh, then I had some opportunities to uh, start doing some stuff in audio and got myself to where I was second in charge of audio on some different, um, different shoots and events. Uh, then I started to edit features and, and did a little bit of directing and those sort of things. And sometimes for small events and different things, um, got, even got to the place where I would get hired to come in and, and just and run the show like I'd be bringing in the crew. And, and, and that, you know, that took some time and working up to that. And um, as, as I moved up and I had more opportunities, what I, what I noticed, and as I reflect back on that, what I noticed is my stories would sort of shift about some of the older opportunities and gigs that I had. Um, you see, again, as, as an 18, 19-year-old, 20-year-old kid, like I, I had opportunities, and, and, and this is 
such a hard thing to talk about when you're trying to talk about not boasting, but it's just the, it's just the facts. I had opportunities to, to work and be a part of the Olympics, and I had opportunities to work a World Series, and I had opportunities to work a Super Bowl. And, you know, again, in, in like as a teenager and in my early 20s, um, but in those moments and most of those jobs in those days, I was a minion. I mean, an absolute peon. Like, I, I wasn't directing the Super Bowl. Like, I was running cable over the top of the Georgia Dome. Like, I was the guy they sent up there that, like, in case I fell, oh, well, get another guy up there. Like, not a big deal, you know? And so, and yet, for some reason, you know, as I moved on in my career and I, I started to, to have, a, you know, a little bit more momentum in some of the things that I was doing, um, I would find myself starting to embellish some of those stories, like I was doing more in those situations. Like, like I, I had uh, a little bit more, you know, going on. I was a little more important than um, I really was. Um, this became really clear for me. Uh, 2003, I had the opportunity to work with Fox Sports um, All-Star, Major League Baseball All-Star game that was in Chicago. And um, again, I had moved on in my career a little bit, and I'd, I'd done a few things. And yet, to get on this job, one of my good friends was, was working, and he was um, you know, higher up in Fox. To get on this job, he said, hey, I can get you on, um, but you're going to have to work as a production assistant. And so it was like a major like, step backwards. So I was like, I don't care. Like, I'm going to get to go to Chicago and work the All-Star game. Sure, this will be great. So I was hired as a production assistant for the executive producer. And so basically, whatever this lady needed, I... I, that's what I was there to do. And I'll never, never, never forget waking up in Chicago in the hotel and they said, hey, come down to this conference room. We're going to have a meeting. We're going to talk about stuff. And so I walk in and there's all these executives from Fox and the director's there and the producer's there and they're, you know, the, the on-air guys are there. And so I walk in and I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Like, you know, let's, let's get, get to work and start brainstorming, workshopping this, this all-star game. This is going to be so fun. And uh, the executive producer turns to me and uh, hands me a credit card and goes, go across the street and buy me some pancakes. Oh, okay. And it was like the famous International House of Pan not to IHOP, but whatever the famous one is in Chicago. So I stood in line for like an hour to get this lady pancakes. And I got back, she's like, what took you so long? I mean, like yelling at me, you know, it was the whole, it was the whole scene. And yet I got to be at the all-star game. I mean, seriously, there were moments where like I got to be out in center field during the, the home run derby. And I got to sit in the dugout for part of the game and behind home plate, like it was awesome. And yet when people would ask me about it, I would puff up my story and I'd put on a show because I was embarrassed about the fact that I was out buying pancakes. Like what is wrong with that? Why would I do that? Because I want you to think that I'm a bigger deal than I really am. Because I want you to, to be impressed. And, and yet we all do that. We all tweak our stories a little bit and we add a little bit of extra detail and we you know, maybe remove one degree of separation from someone who's famous to say that we're a little bit closer to them than maybe we are. And we put on a little bit more razzle-dazzle and we make our stories sound better to ultimately make ourselves sound like a bigger deal. And this is boasting, and boasting is about putting on, putting on a show. Being proud is about puffing up, making myself seem bigger than I really am. 
Now, Erica has, uh, she's one of nine siblings, um, and of the nine kids, she has five brothers. And as long as I've known these guys, as long as I've known these guys, no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, whenever there's like, hey, let's get a family picture, like the five of them, they just quickly start like elbowing and shouldering and bumping up and like doing this, this move, you know, because they want to be the tallest one in the picture like every single time. And eventually one of them falls or they push the other one over and, and it's hilarious. And yet this is what we do all the time. We puff ourselves up to try to come off as bigger than we are. And you've seen this. You've seen this on the Discovery Channel. You've seen this uh, Planet Earth videos. We have some pictures. Check out, check out these, these animals here. <laughs> How awesome is that kangaroo? That dude is jacked. Oh, man. When we see some of these animals, now, now some of them, there's a couple of different things going on here. With some of the animals, they, they feel scared or they feel small. They feel threatened. They'll literally puff up. And it's their defense mechanism to appear bigger, to try and intimidate the threat, to try and neutralize that threat. But we know it's not just about intimidation. There's this other element of puffing up. And for some animals, puffing up is when they're kind of taking a stroll through the Animal Kingdom Club on a Saturday night, and they're looking to attract a little sweet summer loving, if you know what I'm saying, you know? They're out looking for a mate, and so they puff up, and they get really loud and showy, and they try to impress. Their goal is to make themselves look bigger than they are, to make themselves look bigger than they feel. And in both cases of boasting or being proud, they're both centered around this idea of making oneself more. Making oneself more. And man, I'm telling you what. If you look at the life of Jesus and you study the way of Jesus, that is anti to everything he is about. His ministry, his life, if it tells us nothing else, it's about emptying ourselves and making ourselves less. And yet boasting and proud leads us to making ourselves more. This is what we do when we want to seem bigger or more beautiful than we feel. It's what we do to impress people that we want to attract. And not just in a sexual way, just people that we want, you know, maybe there just seems to be like some, some really cool, important people and we want to um, attract them so that maybe they'll want to hang out with us and have a relationship with us. It's what we do to impress people we hope to attract or intimidate people that we fear. Intimidate people that we fear may attack us or, or may be bigger than us. And so we do this because we want people to want us or to fear us. And for some of us, this is what we do when we don't feel like we're enough. We, we don't feel like we're adequate. We walk into a room and we're just not confident in who we are, our, our role in the story, and we don't feel important enough. We, we feel small. As a result, we puff up. When you feel small or insignificant and you're convinced that people see you the way that you see yourself, or they feel about you the way you feel about yourself. When you look at me and, and, and I think you're thinking that I, I feel small and insignificant, well, it just flips this switch that I've got to impress so that you want me, you want to hang out with me, or I need to intimidate so you don't hurt me. And, and the bottom line in very, very simple terms that the Apostle Paul is saying in this passage, don't do that. Don't do that. 
don't, don't be envious. Don't, don't be full of boasting. Don't, don't, don't be just so proud that you're just puffing yourself up. You're putting on a show. Don't do that because love does not need make itself seem more impressive than it is. I mean, if nothing else, it's, it's, it's not attractive. And be honest. How, how, how many of you just enjoy the family member that shows up at the cookout and they are just ready to go rip-roaring to let you know the, the next awesome thing that they've done? The, the great accomplishment the unbelievable thing that they got to do and to be a part of, the, the beautiful, shiny new purchase that they were able to buy. Think about it. How, how much do you love just the, the, the Insta-brags, the, the, the perfect posts? How, how much do you love the, the person that's just got their arms folded and they're kind of off in, in the corner and, and they're, they're a little bit standoffish to you, they treat you like you're a bit of a nuisance. They don't have time for you. you. You can't break through. They're intimidating. How much do we like that? How much do we like the exaggerated stories and the, the, the over-the-top Facebook posts that we just can't compete with? That's yeah, not awesome. Now ask yourself, as much as you've experienced these things and you don't like it, how much are you projecting these things in your own life? How much are you putting on or puffing up? When, when we put on or we, we puff up, we, we actually create a bit of a problem in, in this whole scenario. Now, I'm not going to make you stand up and, and do this, but when we stand up on our tippy toes and we puff ourselves out a little bit, if I said, hey, everybody stand up, get on your tippy toes, puff out a little bit, and just walk around the pack and go meet some people and talk to some people. It's, it's hard to do that. Like, it's too hard to, to stay, like, it's awkward and it's, it's weird. And the reality is when we are putting on a show and we're puffing up, we're making it too hard to move. And when we're making it too hard to move, we're not doing a good job of loving well. Putting on a show and, and, and puffing up keeps us from the things that God has given us to do. When I'm puffing up, I'm not loving well. When I'm concerned about impressing you, I'm not listening to you. If I'm trying to win your admiration, I, I'm not observing your needs. If I'm trying to just attract attention and attract you, I'm actually going to miss seeing you altogether. You see, Paul says, love doesn't try to be bigger. It tries to bless. Love does not try to be bigger. It tries to bless. And it's hard to do both. It's hard to do both. Which do you think your family and friends would say about you? She constantly brags or she comes in celebrating the people around her? He makes himself bigger or he leans in to listen? 
Maybe you wouldn't say you're proud. Okay, but what about just exaggerating, embellishing, being standoffish? Those are, the, those are forms of the same thing that either keep people away or they keep people in awe. And in either case, you cannot show Jesus well that way. And you all know what it's like to have people in your life who just do this so well. They love so well. They're not about being envious. They're not about boasting. They're not about being proud. And how beautiful and amazing it is when those people lean in and connect with you. One of my best friends and former business partners, he lives in LA and and he makes movies out in Hollywood. And, And he lives, honestly, just one of the craziest, most fascinating lives of anybody I know. And I've known him since the seventh grade. And the reality is his work, it takes him all around the world. I mean, all around the world. And he goes everywhere, just unbelievable, exotic places, and, and it's amazing. And uh, his work has been featured in some pretty prestigious film festivals. And he is um, every now and then standing on the red carpet, getting his picture made with people who have like the paparazzi following them. And he has meetings all the time with names that you would know and recognize as he's part of just pitching different films and and projects. And yet, when I talk to him, and we talk about once a month, it's never about that stuff, ever. It's always, hey, how are you doing? How's Erica? How are the kids? How's the church? What's been going on? Last time we talked, you said you guys were working on this thing. How's that thing going? And it's just unbelievable to me because I could just sit and listen to his stories like all day long. And if, if I press and I ask, he'll, he'll tell me some of those details reluctantly. But the reality is, is that he died a long time ago to this idea of putting on a show and, and puffing up. And what we have found in our friendship is in our gifts and strengths and what God has given us is that we matter far more to each other just as people than the things we're bringing to the table. And as we connect with each other about our family and about our kids, there's this opportunity to just stay grounded. Mike and Meyer Taylor, they, they came up. They're, they're, another, they're another couple that's just like this. If you've ever sat with them, you know this. They've lived an incredible life. They've set up this incredible ministry. This thing they just did, this 365, 24-7 medical center that, yes, they left and they had some hard goodbyes with these kids, but what's left behind is this medical center that is creating care for hundreds and thousands of Africans as they need it. And yet they're not gonna be leading with that. They're going to ask you, how are you doing? And what's going on in your life? And that's the way they are. When you're scanning the room with envy, you're boasting about your accomplishments, you're protecting your pride at all costs, you are not loving well. So I'd ask this week, and we're wrapping up, this week, would you approach someone, one person, with the intentionality to celebrate them? This week, just try to celebrate one person, something that they're, they're doing that you're seeing, something that you potentially might even be envious of and celebrate them well. Could you walk into a conversation, into a moment, into a gathering, and rather leading with your stuff, your story, your accomplishments, could you lean in with some questions and just listen well? When you find yourself in a temptation where you're tempted to make yourself bigger, to, 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 to put on a show and to puff up, could you maybe shift gears and just focus on what it would be like to be a blessing in that moment? Love is patient. Love is kind. 
does not envy, does not boast. It is not proud. Let's take that with us as we go. Let's pray. Father, thank you so very much for your love. Thank you for the love of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the grace and mercy and forgiveness that we received through him. And Father, if there's anything to be proud of and to boast about, it's about the love of Jesus. So God, may our hearts and our spirits be tuned in that way, that we would be making a big deal about you and about your love and about the Savior. We would turn down the volume on ourselves. We would begin to scan the room, not with envy, but we would scan the room looking for needs and opportunities to be a blessing. And God, may we be faithful to step into those moments and to truly be a blessing. Find us faithful in that, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.